Welcome everyone, I'm Anu. I'm Sumit. And, and we, we are, are the Cyber Siblings. Hello everyone, the Cyber Siblings are back for Season 2, in which we are covering data breaches. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking all about understanding data breaches in the aviation industry. So, sis, aviation, why? <laughs> or why are we even talking about the aviation industry? Well, from a personal perspective, um, no secret, I love traveling and um, traveling for me. for that. <laughs> yes, and it's about exploring new places, you see new things, um, you learn new things. It builds curiosity and a learning mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something that we can all learn from the aviation industry in our respective industries. Right. So um, it's about learning from cross-functional industries almost. Yeah, no, I like that. So I guess before, I'm, what I'm really curious is I do want to um, pick your brain on this one. I know you have actually got quite a bit of extensive experience with the aviation industry. You've done the uh, AFSEC Global Conference as well yourself. And I will touch base on this a bit later. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are curious to learn about when you did the when Emirates invited you to participate in that and they did that live hijacking exercise and what kind of things you learned from that so um, I will I will pick your brain on that one but I guess for um, myself and a lot of the other people um, and our listeners when we talk about aviation I guess even for me the first thing I think about is the aeroplane in the air and then that's it and I can see you're shaking your head. No, that's not that's probably the case. So what, what exactly do we mean by aviation? What, what's what's uh, the crux of it? Yeah, and it's very common. Uh, I started out thinking it's just aeroplanes as well. I'm out flying. Okay, there's risks and security risks around mm -hmm. that. But having worked uh, and again, a passion projects of mine over the years have been around the aviation industry. And I've learned that there's actually five components to it. Right. There is the actual airline, so that's the assets, so all the fleets. You've then got the physical site. Think about all the international, domestic, and regional airports. That uh, presents a security so all risk. terminals and, right, of course. Exactly. That, that sort of calls the physical site. Well, the plane's got to land somewhere, right? <laughs> exactly. And then thirdly, you've got um, the one thing with aviation industry is that they um, do use a lot of um, systems and communicate with each other. Mm. So there's a lot of um, systems and communications that are shared, but also individually. And that forms a really critical part of the aviation industry. Fourth is all the enablers, I call them, sort of the travel agencies, the online booking system. They all connect into the airlines and the aviation industry in some way. Right. And then the one that always gets forgotten is all the service functions. When we go and fly, we, we, we think about the catering on flight, the entertainment, mm -hmm. your baggage uh, actually arriving at the destination, the safety and screening at the of airport. Course. Even before you get inside the airport, there is screening and checking. So all those five components make up the aviation industry. And I don't think a lot of people think about the whole picture. No, definitely not. I mean, as soon as you said catering, uh, I doubt a lot of people would be thinking about food and cuisines when it comes to travel um, on a plane. But um, it seems like you're um, these five, and I like how you've uh, captured them into a certain categories. It seems like it's all the surrounding functions or third parties, like we usually call them in industry. Uh, anyone that's connected or servicing also falls within that aviation terminology. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. 
I guess now that we know a bit of a background on that, I mean, if we can fly up to about 30, 40, 50,000 feet, um, what's the landscape like? like what, what have you seen, I guess, in the industry? Um, what have you seen in consulting? What's actually happening in the old aviation industry per se? Absolutely. So if we sort of go over the last 10 years or so, and we look at the data breaches that the aviation industry have experienced, they've, co- they've cost millions of dollars. And there are sort of four key themes that have come through from that. There is one which has been data breaches around from application and website vulnerabilities. Okay. So really um, where you've got fake websites or ability to insert codes in because there is an open vulnerability. Right. That's and a web application, hijacking and all of these things come into play. Exactly. Mobile apps that we use for mm, travel oh, bookings, etc. So the vulnerabilities is a big one that's been a factor for aviation. Yeah. And is that like more, um, how can I put it? with the airline website in itself or is it also the uh, third-party booking providers it's been both so over the both last like decade it. we've seen data breaches as a result of both right and there would be a lot of data sharing between the two as well okay, exactly course, course. exactly and that's then sort of the second theme um as you said like aviation is made up of five components one of the big themes around data breaches occurring is through third parties. Mm-hmm. You could be really secure as an airline or as a function, but you're in an ecosystem, you're part of some supply chain. And so third party providers um, not being as secure as yourself is still presenting a risk and the weakest link. So there are a number of data breaches that have occurred. Um, through that third-party provider. In fact, a couple of years ago, a major airline Mm -hmm. announced that they had a data breach that lasted for nine years where criminals had gone in for nine years, been able to take data, observe, monitor, and it was... We're calling that nine years that's undetected. Someone's going in and out of their systems and networks. Correct, correct. So third-party just, again, is something that the aviation industry is really conscious about and it's something that the rest of us can learn from Mm -hmm. and the other one is with aviation uh, a lot of the i guess the ecosystem they rely on the same platforms there is for example a platform called CETA that's used by many airlines um, and the aviation industry Mm, of course and so if you really think as a criminal they go for the one platform because they know that's maximum impact yeah. And so we've seen that as a theme throughout the aviation industry. And again, yeah. think about your own industry. What common platforms are you sharing? And is that exposing you? All right. And finally, no surprise, um, phishing campaigns, unauthorized access through social engineering, where they've been able to, criminals have been able to obtain a key person in the organization or third party provider's yeah. credentials and made their way in. Mm-hmm. These four themes are really prevalent in the data breaches that have occurred in aviation. Right, and it seems like when you say the whole common platform, I think when you think about all the other industries, it is, it is I guess, if you look at the cloud deployment models in itself, um, platform as a service. So anyone that's using a certain shared platform or there's a platform as a service that's provided, of course you're gonna have the multi-tenancy or any of those other issues uh, of data actually being siphoned out. And I think 
it kind of resonates a lot to me as well where some providers they will have their um, source code or whatever they might have in terms of a product and if they're doing it as a, like a SaaS offering but they've actually white labeled it so people are using the same thing off the shelf but putting their own label on it well if one has a vulnerability it's likely they all have a vulnerability so it's the same thing as platform sharing exactly but you've still got that overlap okay so no different from i guess nothing major from the other industries except the the website and the um, web application hijacking and the mobile applications um i guess uh, malicious code and all of those it's it's no it's no doubt like i guess the next question is why i mean is it purely about okay some of these platforms are not being patched or i guess why is the aviation industry in itself such a target what what are they after and um, that they can't get from it anywhere else no it's a really good question and i, I think it's a question that everyone should ask themselves to, no matter what industry you're in and with the aviation industry obviously we're seeing an uptick in uh, travel business and leisure post COVID mm -hmm. but just in general travel has been um, something that is just part of everyday lives and we've seen a change in how consumers travel low budget airlines high class etc but so there's volume yeah right so there's volume there is it's an industry that's booming or at least there's activity going on then you ask yourself okay well if it's an activity going on what kind of data is there why would criminals go after it yeah and there's two things that's happening in the aviation industry think about if you go traveling mm -hmm. what kind of data are you giving um, probably my well security clearance so probably my passport yeah um, my passport details um, I guess for any other people, like they might have certain visas, uh, depending on the nature or the type of class of um, travelers. So there could be student visas, there could be work visas, there could be other sponsorships. So there's various types of data, I'm assuming, called on that. Exactly. And, and you're also giving your date of birth, your full name, your photo, like all of these are either scanned or they're details uh, that are stored when you need to travel. biometrics. Uh -huh. that's right. and that's where the new I guess so the reason the aviation industry has been is a target is because of all this sensitive data mm -hmm. and you've got more travelers it's collected and updated continuously yeah but we're also now seeing with biometrics data coming through there's a new type of personal sensitive data and it's not data that you can go and change like my fingerprint is gonna be my fingerprint yeah right so yeah this data is very valuable and therefore the aviation industry is high on the list of targeted industries yeah. or unless the plastic surgeons out there are probably going to see a boom in their industry when everyone's going to be like okay let's get a face or makeover and a whole change and probably not i think more that's not realistic it's not a viable alternative Correct. to change just like you could change maybe a government document by reapplying for one exactly like a that's driver's right. license or passport you can get a new one get yeah. it reissued it's a bit of inconvenience and a cost whereas and the others is like way going way out yep and yeah, so i think it. the question that i would say people listening should ask is whatever industry you're in what kind of data are you holding mm -hmm. and what kind of data are you about to start holding based on the change in the global industry and the global world yeah 
that is something that you're going to need to think about in terms of how attractive are you for uh, criminals and a potential data breach. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I guess on the topic of data breaches in itself, and we know now what they're after, uh, are there any examples that come to mind or, um, or even generically, uh, if there's any certain targets or techniques that were used or like as in, I think you mentioned one in terms of the common system. Um, what, what actually happened with SITA? Like how many were actually using it? Or at least at that time that warranted such, you know, uh, a hack being so pervasive across, across so many airlines. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll probably pick two big ones. Um, there are a number of different ones, but I'll pick two big ones. The one, as you say, around the common platforms. That common platform was doing all the processing systems for at least 12 airlines. Right. So think about it, 12 airlines and potentially other airlines with different types of information. So if you've mm-hmm. got multiple airlines using the same system for processing, again, what data are they processing? Mm-hmm. Not just frequent flyer points, but date of birth, passenger name, travel details, etc. Mm-hmm. You are then going, and there's also third-party providers that connect into that platform because they need to use it to do the processing. Yeah. And then you're talking about, again, not in the same country, but offshore, different regions. Mm-hmm. So that common platform, um, actually, the way that happened was, from what I understood uh, reading all the details at the time, was through something as basic as a phishing campaign. Yeah. So the fact that they were able to get unauthorized access to this platform through a human being mm-hmm. is... Uh, allowed the attackers to actually go in and get all this data. Right. So again, all the controls can be great. All the systems can have the great best controls, but human element and the human mindset and a great phishing attempt or being able to sort of trick someone into giving their credentials or somehow getting those credentials allowed the criminals to go in. And that one thing impacted multiple airlines and right. compromised lots of data. Right. So it was still it still comes down to it's not about how many controls or safeguards that you have in place. If it's just one door between uh, a hacker and uh, you know a wealth of knowledge that you could say or information that's leading into multiple doors uh, with different airlines and they're all unlocked. Well, technically they only need to break down one door. Exactly. So I think the lesson here for anyone in any industry is how are you making sure your people, that cyber awareness and that um, human element is covered, the mindset? And secondly, looking at is there a concentration risk? Mm. Okay. But then the second one that's been a big one in the aviation industry is around, um, if you think about there's been a number of airlines that have been impacted through their vulnerabilities. So whether it's their mobile app, their Mm. actual website, they were vulnerabilities and criminals were able to inject codes into those vulnerabilities. And then as you as a consumer, you're booking your flight on the mobile or um, on the main website, they're actually able to skim your data and take all your credit card details and information. And so they may not have even just taken the data, they are also financially 
able to take money away from consumers. Yeah. So vulnerability management in multiple instances over the last decade has really led to some severe data breaches, but also financial losses for consumers. Right, yeah. I, I, I have a bit of a side theory. Humor me for a second on this, um, and I could be totally off topic. This is just my own personal um, opinion uh, or viewpoint that has been kind of spinning in my head. Is we look at a lot of the banking industry and a lot of other industries, maybe even energy and utilities, is around the corner as well. When it comes to consumer data rights and comes to open banking, there's a lot of this talk about how we're moving towards APIs and using that as integrating so that the data can be shared. Now, if I look at aviation, like uh, I just think about all the different airlines we've um, actually personally been on as well. Um, look at the alliances that they're having. So One World, uh, Star Alliance, so if, you know, United and Air Canada with Singapore Airlines or Qantas with Emirates or KLM with Lufthansa, um, we've got Alitalia in the uh, pool and Austrian Airlines, and uh, we, we can say that, you know, we've been on a lot of these different um, uh, airline providers. When it comes to the points that we accumulate on them, they're really, um, some of them are valuable. really valuable, like in terms of, okay, well, if you sign up on this, you get this many bonus points, and especially around uh, Christmas time as well, some of them are giving those extra points to sign up, make sure you subscribe to this. Now, when it comes to the point transfer system, so a lot of them will have their, oh, are you ruby, emerald, sapphire, or are you gold, silver, platinum, or all of, all of those tiers. They don't always match between each other, but you can do points exchanges between a lot of them. So that would a lot involve a lot of data sharing, but how safe and secure is that data sharing actually being done? How Are they like open APIs? Are they actually being done? Are they proprietary between the two systems? But if they're using the same system, it's likely an airline is going to say, okay, let's just do a one-for-one swap or let's do a quick calculation of one point to two points. And that's not going to be safe when the data behind the points, meaning the name, the address and the phone number and the gender and whatever, like as well the PII of the, I guess, the consumers, that's not going to be protected in that process. So is my hypothesis right in the sense that while there's a lot of that data sharing, that's also creating a lot of vulnerability because that's not being patched? Look, it's absolutely possible um, in terms of that hypothesis because end of the day, if you are sending and moving data around, you're opening yeah. it, it's it's open for vulnerability and being grabbed on the way, transfer, yeah. like in transit, data in yeah. transit. So it's an absolutely valid so hypothesis. So attack surface area as well. Okay. Exactly, yeah. And, and the one interesting point I'll say that uh, many people don't know perhaps is there's actually been a number of data breaches or vulnerabilities that has led to three major airports being shut down in the last decade. Wow, okay. So the fact that these security risks and um, data breaches have actually shut down full airports um, says a lot about the impact as well. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And yeah, no, that's, I think when you put it in that, uh, with that description, that really, I guess, emphasizes the impact. Correct. Uh, that's pretty much not just an inconvenience, that's a full, full-blown shutdown. <laughs> well, um, 
so I guess in terms of we come to lessons and from this, if you could, um, I do want to jump back onto that Emirates one and the global AFSEC aviation security conference that you got invited to and you shared a lot of insights. Uh, that one's always been a hot topic and I know you always get question about that. I guess if you could incorporate that with generally what your research has also shown, um, I guess for our listeners, what kind of lessons can we learn from these data breaches. And I know you already talked about the vulnerability as one. So yes, there is the whole patching, the zero day attacks, um, pretty much any way someone can get through to web applications or mobile applications. But what about, what, what else can we learn from that? I think that's a valuable lesson. Well, what else probably some of your other tips or that you've shared at AppSec as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I'll save the AppSec story to uh, just, for a minute and I'll go through, I think the question to ask as a part of a lesson learned in your organization, do you know what open vulnerabilities and how long those uh, vulnerabilities have been open for in your organization? Is there regular reporting? Is it going to the right governance forum, not just within security and the IT team? Is it going to the executive level and is, is that visibility and discussion being held? Mm-hmm. So that's number one. I think the second one is around third parties. So given other industries like aviation also relies on third parties, one of the big lessons learned is, are you governing and oversighting? Are you really monitoring your critical providers? And do you know what data they hold and how they're securing it? So it's not just about me saying, hey, it's all good, Hmm. but how do you actually know? And again, how much resources and effort do you put in? So there's a balance to it, but it's about really going, do we know how we do that in our organization? And what's the governance oversight and reporting at the executive level? Again, not just in procurement, but at the executive level for our critical third-party providers. So that's kind of going integration with your risk management framework as well. And your risk management strategy should actually be in tandem with the security component and your overall strategy. Exactly, and that kind of goes to the third lesson, which is around what kind of platforms and systems are commonly used in your industry? And are you using a platform or system that's shared by others? Have you recognized the concentration risk? Are you aware what risk exposure or security risk exposure that um, provides to your organization? Oh, so, that, that really resonates um, with the wool industry when there was a lot of like um, uh, that system that I think had a concentration of about 80% of the Tasman market and uh, across both nations. So that I think when that was uh, hacked and they had a data breach, they, yeah, they were out of operation. So pretty much there were no barrels of um, uh, wool actually being sold on the exchange. Wow. So... Uh, yeah, totally. I totally agree on that. So concentration, I think, would be that's a key number one. three as well. Yeah. Okay. And the fourth and big one, that's where uh, one thing I experienced when I was invited to speak at the AVSEC uh, symposium a uh, number of years ago, which was around, I actually got to experience a hijacking experience. So mm-hmm. there is a amazing training facility uh, in Dubai that we got to sit on an actual plane and experience with of course, uh, police, actors and passengers, like it was all 
acts it yeah, out. So much less simulated. Yeah, life. but it, but it felt real. Like I tell you, the actual plane in there like was shaking as if there was turbulence. So right. and there was wow. water around us, and the slide that sort of pops out of the plane, yeah. all that was real. And I can tell you that whole experience. I'm a pretty sporty and fit person, yeah. and I can run down the slide if I had to. Yeah. After sitting in that turbulence, there was tomato sauce all over, like pretending to be blood and yeah. shouting and screaming and sort of uh, gas pretend that that yeah. sort of was all. Was there were people um, that were imperson- impersonating, like pretending to be hijackers, and they were and they had guns and they were like armed and such to simulate that. Okay. Yeah, it was it was the full. You had the police. You had every like every element was right. simulated through that experience. And as someone attending and experiencing it, that after like, as part of that, we had to then, when someone got on board the plane and sort of uh, controlled the hijackers and sort of put them aside and sort of trying to escape and get the rescuing the passengers there, after sitting on that plane, what, 20 minutes, half an hour, I can't even remember how long it was, my mindset was like, I was actually shaken. I knew it wasn't real, but it felt so real. I was starting to think it's real. And when I got to the slide, I was struggling to just even sit down and go down. My feet were struggling to actually Uh, go. And so so the lesson for me is when we do business continuity planning, when we do cybersecurity simulations, have we factored the human mindset in that, oh, we think people will move from uh, here to the fire exits in two minutes? Well, on a normal day, yes, but under stress and duress, that could take 10, 20 minutes. I might be scared. Like I struggled and I still remember that feeling all these years later. And so I think the lesson learned here is how are you factoring in the human mindset, the human emotions and human psychology mindset in these simulations and business continuity? Because... It is real, and I can say it from personal experience. Yeah, that's that's actually quite fascinating, and and you're right. I think we we miss time. It's it's human nature to miss time. What um, the reactive or like the reaction time? What it will be? Um, are you doing it under normal instances, or are you doing it under duress? And if you're under duress, how much does that exacerbate your? I guess your um, motor neurons, or how how are you actually going to be able to um, physically? Uh, take on those actions or actually be able to complete certain activities can you imagine the fire warden how much they would be needing to stress i think yes but okay let me let me turn it around to a bit of a um a more fun-filled note um movies now uh, i know i know how much you love your movies um and that's fine I'll, i'll chime in on these ones as well i guess before we close off this um conversation it's been really really insightful some movies that you know can inspire a bit of uh, uh, aviation security or aviation risk management or aviation regulatory, that kind of GRC space in cybersecurity, just to give others a bit of a flavor, because I think everyone will resonate with the movies uh, yeah. quite easily and they'll be able to apply it in their um, uh, work environment as well. So. Well, what are some of, the movies, some of the movies you would see us yeah. definitely worth a watch? Yeah, no, so I'd say from an aviation perspective, I can't go past Casino Royale, James Bond, because of that um, 
the big announcement on the fleet and it impacts oh, the, the stock market. Yeah, yeah. That's it. So that's definitely one of my favorites. I also think um, Con Air with Nicolas Cage and John Cusack. That's always been the hijacking yeah. of the plane yeah. um, where the transfers of the criminals are happening. Yeah. That again, oh, that's a really good one. It yeah. shows so many different security and risk controls that needs to be considered and um, how they were broken as well. Yeah. Um, so and then that's if, a really good one. And if I go into Bollywood, I can't get past um, Nirja, which is where um, an air hostess actually faced the terrorist attacks and how she dealt with it on the plane. So again, a security risk. And then again, um, Runway 34 from a pilot's experience when you're in that situation, yeah. how they actually dealt with that safety and uh, turbulence issue yeah. I think those movies sort of stand uh, up, but I'll, I'll turn it around. What about you? What are your favorite movies? Ooh, um, I think all of those actually capture, well, I guess they're probably the mutual favorites. Uh, uh, Air Force One is another one that comes to mind, Harrison oh, wow. Ford. So yep. um, the president's plane, Air Force One, has been hijacked. And then pretty much everything that undergoes on that in terms of the security controls underneath, the leaking the petrol, opening the chute, and all of those things in terms of what height um another one is uh uh jodie foster's uh flight plan oh yeah that's good uh, so that one really shakes you to the core i mean she goes through everything to find a daughter and you really see all the parts of a plane that you don't see as a passenger i found that quite fascinating with that one yeah i remember that and to match your uh, bollywood um so i know you've covered sonam kapoor and ajay devgan's movies I'm going to probably jump on to Akshay Kumar and Nimrat Gore's movie, uh, Airlift. That's uh, a good that one. One's, that one's, I think, more less, less about the planes. I think it's more about the rescue mission and how you can use um, commercial airlines to actually carry out, um, in essence, what would have been a military operation. It's so, actually showing the valuable, the contribution of aviation to yeah. a different cause as well. Exactly, exactly. It was all for a good cause and um, that was quite fascinating. So... Um, yeah, so I guess for our listeners out there, I hope that's some movies that uh, you can put onto your watch list. And with that, um, that is a wrap for today. Until we talk again. Stay safe. And secure. And secure.